five years, four seasons, two miniseries. It all comes together in the epic finale of Moonbase Theta Out. Hello again, Moonbaseians. It's just too much to keep under control here. Our position is on the moon. We are in possession of the moon bases. That is where we intend to remain and despite you. I was trying to fix things. Get your fists up, Michelle. We're going to end this one way or another. There is nowhere on the moon that you can hide. We will be visiting your position soon. This message is for Dr. Ashrini Ray and Roger Brigado Fisher. Your messages have been received, and we recognize your struggle. Let's move. We could message everyone, everywhere. What did I miss? Sorry, love. It's a busy day at the end of the moon. We've been through the end of so many things, but we're still here. Moonbase Theta Out, the series finale, August 20th and September 3rd, And I'm Tefra Jamian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's, there's no, no such, such thing, thing as bad, bad food. food. We're doing that bit I now. like it, I All like right, it. we're doing the bit. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area, and to research it and look into things. And, and you know, if you don't know whose land you're on and what especially what the traditional food, you know, practices of those people are. Uh, Google it. Google's your friend, you know? A really good resource to start in Canada. Now, I believe there's an American version of this, but I don't know it. But native-land.ca is a great resource to find out what nation's uh, land you are living on. It may be one, it may be several. You may be at the juncture of several nations. I looked on nativeland.ca just to check, and uh, it in fact shows you uh, the entire freaking world. So, Oh, okay. So there you go. No excuses, folks. Educate yourselves. And then, you know, once you have those names, you can start researching them. And that's actually a really good way to figure out what foods are indigenous to your region. And that's a fun exercise. Indeed. So welcome, welcome. It is Labor Day, and that means that Tom's birthday is right around the corner. It's true. As you may or may not know, Tom was in fact very aptly born on Labor Day. I feel like this is like an extremely appropriate fact about you, that you were like, what is the most appropriate day to be born? All right, Labor Day it is. I'm like, I am a workaholic from birth. Labor Day is not a day off for me. Never has been, never will be. Well, it wasn't a day off for your mom. Boom. And this year is a very special Tom's Labor Day, which is September 6th. Mm -hmm. So not Labor Day this year, but it Mm -hmm. was in 1993. Indeed, indeed. 
because this year Tom is turning 30. That's right, folks. Three decades of the labor. Big 3 <laughs> We're still pushing, folks. Grinding from the womb. 30 under 30. No more. <laughs> no chance. That means there's still one more day to get Tom onto the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Listen, Forbes. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. So because it is your birthday, because it is a big birthday, mm-hmm. it is a significant birthday, you are crossing over to the land of the giants. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Wow. We had a birthday party yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a nice birthday party. I worked very hard for about two days <laughs> to get it ready, and now my brain is just like a little goopy today. That's okay. But it's we're also try. like it's also like ninety degrees in the studio right now. It's too just hot. Just because you're in here, bazooka. Damn, the club can't handle this. No, I mean we're literally in a heat wave. Also, we are literally in a heat wave. <laughs> yes, we are in a heat wave. So anyway, because it is Tom's thirtieth birthday, because decade birthdays only come every decade, we decided to make this episode all about Tom. Hell yeah, folks! As opposed to the last hundred and fifty episodes or whatever that had nothing to do with me whatsoever. But on this show, we get to interview people and we get to talk about their food history and we get to talk about their culture and how mm-hmm, they grew mm-hmm. up and how they feel about food. And we definitely give a lot of that from ourselves as well yeah. on the show but sometimes it's nice to just sit down and 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 tell the whole story and so that's what we're here for today we're going to mm-hmm. talk about food and how you became the foodie you are today because yeah. this journey i feel like has even happened since i met you yeah i mean i think yeah. like seeds were certainly sown and yeah. watered and whatnot from a young age but but the like passion for it i think started gradually you know yeah. later in life yeah yeah later in life like I'm an old person or something uh you know in your heart you yeah. are I'm gonna put it out there that I think if you're born on a holiday whose like actual numerical date changes every year but whose place in the calendar doesn't that day is your birthday yeah you yeah. know yeah my birthday is always children's day in Sweden sure well and like for me like Labor Day is always the first Monday of September. Yeah. So, like, yeah, September 6th is not always Labor Day, but I kind of feel like Labor Day is always my birthday, you know? (laughs) Like, I don't know. So, happy birthday. Thank you. You exhausted workaholic. I'm so tired, always. So tired. Mm -hmm. So, bring me from the beginning. Tell me about your story of food. What are some of your early food memories? Mm. What do you think of when you think of your own food story? Yeah, it's it's funny. I was trying to think about this yesterday a little bit in preparation for this and also just cuz I don't know, I was thinking about it. And I'm not sure I can pinpoint my exact earliest food memory, but like there's two or three very early food memories that like stick with me and feel like like foods that kind of hit me with that nostalgia in that like early childhood way you know so in no particular order I might just like hit those you know hit it yeah so powdered donuts this is this is one I don't talk about that often no you don't because as someone who has a lot of like sensory things and issues with mess powdered donuts are not necessarily my jam most Mm -hmm. of the time but Growing up as a little kid in Vancouver, we spent a lot of time in Granville Island Market, uh, which is this little, like, not even farmer's market, really. Like, it's kind of just a, I don't even know the best way to, it's a market, but it's not a farmer's market specifically. Well, it's kind of like Pike Place, isn't it? A little, yeah, yeah, It's like a permanent market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's another one of those things that Seattle has, so Vancouver decided to also do it. Well, and, like, when you're in the Pacific Northwest, you can actually have a permanent, like, kind of indoor-outdoor market without everything dying for six months of the year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And so we would go there, you know, 
often, I think especially on weekends, but like sometimes during the week too. And there were two things that I remember getting there almost every single week. And one was like cheese bread, like mm-hmm. not bread with cheese on it, but like cheese baked into the bread, you know? And the other is powdered donuts. Mm-hmm. And every time that I smell like powdered sugar, I'm taken back a little bit yeah. to there, which is wild because I work with powdered sugar at work. So like right. I do, I frequently am kind of taken back to this nostalgic feeling of my childhood. And so for me, like, even though powdered donuts are not necessarily a food that like feels safe to me on a physical level a lot mm-hmm. of the time because of the kind of mess factor that stresses me out, mm-hmm. I still like treasure them mm-hmm. in my heart, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. It, it gives me that kind of like complicated nostalgia around them. Yeah. I don't know. And then that cheese bread factor of it as well, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you're taken back to a place by one food memory and there's a second food memory attached to that place. You kind of get both hitting you at the same time. Uh-huh. And there's still, for me, is nothing quite like a really good loaf of bread with cheese baked into it. Absolutely. Cheese I, bread is just one of those like cozy foods. Yeah. Like, I don't know how um, universal cheese bread is for people as a thing like is this something that i need to oh, explain a little no, more no no i think cheese bread is a thing people understand okay okay yeah, yeah. yeah like i'm talking like a loaf of of bread usually it's like a white bread kind of bread with cheese mixed in through the dough and then also like often they'll grate some on top of it so that yeah. you get the crust kind of building around the the outside oh man they make um you can get bagels like that too yeah. i love those oh yeah. yeah oh yeah that's it so for me that's like uh that's like one of my favorite kinds of bread for sure like when yeah. it comes to like sliced breads uh, i don't buy it that often because i find if you don't get it from a bakery it's kind of mediocre yeah like i don't really want to get like pre-sliced cheese bread from the grocery store yeah it's just it's not, it's the, not same. the same yeah no so, okay, that's a nice way to highlight kind of the first chapter of your life, which mm-hmm. was those first six years in Vancouver, Yeah, which I think don't come up that often on no. the show. Like, we talk a lot about you being a, a an NDG kid, like yeah. born and raised, but you did have those first six years in Vancouver, and that mm-hmm. comes up also when we talk about sushi. Sure, yeah. Which, like, I think it kind of clicked for me what sushi meant to you when you pointed that out, that, like, right. yeah, I grew up in Vancouver where there's very good sushi. Yeah, well, that's it, right? So, so Vancouver being a coastal city and also being like you know a coastal city that's like relatively close to japan yeah you get a lot of really genuinely good seafood and a lot of really genuinely good sushi there between access to the ocean where good fish comes from and just high asian immigrant population mm-hmm. the asian food there writ large is really good yeah. and the sushi is like no exception to that yeah. and so i grew up eating a lot of really good sushi in vancouver obviously i didn't eat a ton of sushi between zero and six right like right. that that's yeah, not yeah. like prime sushi eating yeah. time for most people <laughs> uh but my grandparents still lived out in bc for most of my life I mean grandpa still does and like I would go most summers and you know sometimes in the winters too and it's always a part of it right it's always part of that experience of going back home is eating good sushi yeah 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 and so I mean you know I can still get good sushi in Montreal too it's just less uh it's less of a sure thing here I think is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like you have to go to the the good places here. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, here, here's what it is, right? You can have the best chef somewhere landlocked, and their food is maybe going to be as good as, like, a fine chef somewhere that's not landlocked. Right, yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's kind of what it comes down to, is, yeah. like, the quality of the ingredients makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a trade-off, right? Like, you might not necessarily actually get something that's, like, that fantastic, but it'll taste really good because it's fresh. Yeah. So you can kind of handle the mediocrity because yeah. of the freshness of the ingredients. Whereas here, like, you have to shell out a little bit more if you want to get the good stuff. Right. 
because you're paying for the people's experience and not just for the freshness of the the thing you know yeah exactly yeah yeah well i mean if you have like really fresh fish you can just do sashimi yeah and it will be delicious exactly and like all you need to do is cut it right you know (laughs) right exactly which isn't nothing but no no it's it's a skill for sure but that's it it's like i I think that there's like uh an inherent advantage to having the like fresh stuff so sushi obviously also really important to me um but then if i'm really like thinking a little bit more about the sort of like bc side of it Mm -hmm. and the seafood side of it i guess at the like vancouver ferry terminal i think sunshine bay is the name of the like actual Mm -hmm. like terminal area there is a greek restaurant that's like you know not in the terminal itself but like in the sort of like village around it whatever that looks out onto the harbor so you can watch all the boats pulling in and everything if you sit outside and that's another kind of like formative memory for me is eating like souvlaki and like greek rice and like lemon potatoes and calamari yeah and the calamari i think for me is the like big like the big factor there Mm -hmm. where i still like seek out calamari that tastes as good to me as that calamari does you know um and like consistently like if i'm in vancouver i still make a point of going there when i can right yeah we've had a lot of bad calamari in your quest yeah uh calamari and part of that i think is that calamari doesn't deliver well it doesn't deliver well and i think around here a lot of it is frozen and thawed yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah, yeah. yeah. most um, of it it's frozen and thawed yeah that's it so it's like even if you're like best case scenario you're getting like the squid has been frozen and then they're like at least like battering it and everything themselves and like then you've got a chance of it being pretty good but the mm-hmm. texture is not going to be quite the same no. uh worst case scenario you're getting it like frozen frozen and you know some some 20 year old with a deep fryer in the back is doing their best yeah, yeah. and it's like it's still going to be tasty because it's still battered and fried and you know you hit it with some lemon you're going to be having a decent time yeah but not once it's delivered to your house no <laughs> <And> unfortunately <laughs> no. unfortunately like the the times we live in we don't get to go out that often yeah so so far the kind of consistent thread here throughout all of these things that i'm mentioning is like bread and dough and and also things being fried i guess a little bit uh, yeah yeah and that feels right for me when we're talking about foods that are like important to me informative for me and especially when i think about like the next thing kind of on my list of foods that have really early prominent memories for me and are attached to like my childhood and growing yeah. up and like things that still bring me nostalgia is schnitzel yeah let's talk about schnitzel so schnitzel of course uh if you've been listening to the show for long enough you've definitely heard me mention even in passing at least once or twice, but I think we've never actually done a proper episode on it. No, uh, and we should. Yeah, we really yeah, should. we really should. But essentially, schnitzel is uh, any, like, thin, pounded, and then breaded and fried meat. Yeah. Um, so often, traditionally, it's done with, like, pork, uh, mm-hmm. unless you're in Jewish communities near the places where it's done traditionally with pork, it would, in which case it's, like, veal or chicken, yeah. uh, all of which are super delicious. Uh, lots of people have different names for it. You know, kind of every European country has its version of schnitzel, whether they call it that or not, right? Yeah. Um, you could make the case that chicken parm is kind of often a like yeah sauced up version of schnitzel, you know. Yeah, and what's the one that's even thinner? That's like a milanese, maybe. Milanese. Milanese. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, pounded, yeah. fried, breaded meat is like it just hits right for me. Yeah, it's um, so good, and, and I can't like, get it right. You make it. I try to make it. I don't get it right. You, you make still do it well. Thank you, but, but you it, you are yeah. the one who you get it thin enough. It's because that's your granny taught you. I that's can't the thing. compete. My my granny really like her thing was you know 
meat and oil. Yeah. And uh, and so those things are really important to me. And so like, yeah, I remember, you know, going to my granny's house as a kid, it would always smell like either recently some schnitzel was frying or recently some chorizo was in a pan. Yeah. Yeah. It smells. Yeah. I remember that like maybe when we first started dating or when we were friends before we were dating mm-hmm. at one point. So you told me a lot of times that I reminded you of your granny. It's true. And I was always just like, I don't know what to make of this because <laughs> I didn't know you that well. And I was sure. just like, thanks, I guess. <laughs> um, but I remember at one point you told me that I, I smelled like <laughs> your granny's house. I don't remember Why? I think there was incense involved. Maybe. Because I know that's something I share with her is the kind of witchy woo stuff. Yeah, there was a like sort of mysticism aspect to yeah. the way grandma lived. I think there was a, it's like a incense smell or maybe possibly just a, uh, like a perfume or a soap that you were using at okay, the time. Okay. That like reminded me of I was just like, her, did yeah. I smell like schnitzel or chorizo? <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. I don't think you did at the time. <laughs> you maybe have since at, at varying points. I have definitely smelled like both of those things at various points. Yeah. But mostly since moving in here, I think. Yeah, well, I, I was living with a vegetarian before I moved in yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't cook schnitzel or chorizo very often. And that's why life is better now. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, but that's it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there was like a sensory memory there for yeah. sure. Yeah. I do have to say, as long as we're talking about Tom Appreciation Day, one of the great joys you have brought into my life is food and is mm-hmm. sharing this just like love and appreciation for food mm-hmm. and food being a really like rich, pleasurable part of our life together, mm-hmm. which is like something I grew up with, but then didn't have for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I like really, really appreciate. Um, so thank you, Granny, for instilling that in you and Grandpa. <laughs> and Grandpa. Also, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Grandpa's the going out food and Granny yeah. is the cooking schnitzel food. <laughs> that's it. Which isn't to say that Grandpa, you know, didn't also do a lot of cooking like Grandpa great cook in his own right oh yeah he's a great cook but he likes to go out he likes to go out yeah. he's a and party he likes guy. to like know the restaurants and he yeah. likes to like yeah yeah that's it that's it for grandpa going out is like yeah we're gonna do the going out and for granny it's like oh you know like let's have a little treat tonight and go out yeah. instead <laughs> of having a little treat tonight and me cooking like for she i think she just got a lot more joy out of being in the kitchen than he yeah, did and, yeah you know yeah. was less of a party animal than him too i think is, is a uh, large, he's uh, quite a party animal your grandpa is what 75 <laughs> and still just like parties so hard like uh, like to the best of his ability anyway, like it's, yeah. it's, it's something about like once you're like hungry east you know yeah the old men are the are the the ones who know how to party <laughs> That's it. I think I think grandpa, you know, he he was a dancer in his youth, right? So oh, he spent a lot of time, you know, literally dancing around and touring and like, you know, living it up like I mean, that. Your grandpa Granny's, was a Granny's profes- a painter. Yeah. So so for her, like her idea of a good time is a, a nice glass of wine, some tasty food and like vibing out and yeah. like not having to like go places and deal with people yeah. and it really translates to their relationships yeah. to food I think too where granny it's like oh I'm gonna make this beautiful thing in my house and then I'm gonna look out the window with a cup of coffee and like listen to the birds yeah. and grandpa's just like let's slam a coffee and go out we're going to the restaurant where I know the guy and he's gonna bring us the best stuff and everybody knows me I know four words in Korean I'm gonna flirt with this waitress yeah. let's go <laughs> Yeah, but but that's it. So I think though, and again, that's another thing where it's like, oh yeah, this is breaded and fried, yeah. and it explains so much about me and the food that I love now. And look, it's like not the most profound thing in the world to you know love breaded fried food, right? Like that's 
I mean, I think it's profoundly human. Yeah. I think it's prof- like profoundly connects cultures. Like, sure. we love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean it's not like one of those things where I'm like, ooh, I've got this like deep family tradition of this one dish that's like... But you do, though. Yeah. Because schnitzel is like Hungarian tradition and it is something granny taught you and your grandparents were out of their homeland and this was something she grew up learning how to cook you know like it is culture all I mean by this is just that like me drawing the connection from that to like also loving a good corn dog or like some hash browns or whatever like chicken nuggets yeah exactly it's like anything that's breaded and fried now like hits me with that same kind of feeling right yeah not necessarily on the same level but like you know it's it's there we saw a toddler on tiktok the other night calling the oven the chicken nugget cooker yeah that's what it's for it's for cooking chicken nuggets okay i am going to get toby a little snack and we're gonna pop over to the mid-roll If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of Tom's birth, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. If you join our Patreon, you'll also get access to our new monthly newsletter, the No Bad Food Recipe Club, where each month we'll post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. If you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. So shall we uh, bring it back to Montreal? Yeah, let's do it. We've done a Vancouver chapter. (laughs) I feel like my understanding of your Montreal food is very like convenience store mcdonald's subway (laughs) i don't know if that's like entirely accurate that's maybe just what i associate with ndg because like i know you go out like you go to restaurants you eat yeah but there's just something about that kind of like cozy teenage food thing Mm, sure yeah yeah. so tell me what what where am i right and where am i wrong well so so i think like convenience Convenience and McDonald's and Subway, I think I would lump all into one category of just like, this is a quick fix, this is easy, like, this is stuff that, you know, I don't necessarily have to think about too much. Right. Because I grew up, you know, poor enough that we were like, not necessarily starving, but like, that we didn't have a lot of options a lot of the time, right? And this may also reflect that I met you when you were 20. Yeah. So, like, I met you at a certain point in life when I think we're all doing a lot of convenience store, Subway, and McDonald's. Yeah, although to be fair, I think... In my early 20s, I was more doing convenience store and Domino's. So much kind Domino's. Of, kind of, that's it, basically. Yeah. Um, no, but but when I think about, like, food beyond that, right, my kind of, like, Montreal food, like, essentials, I guess. I mean, bagels. Bagels have always been important. Bagels have always been huge for me. Like, when we first moved here, we lived around the corner from a place called Dad's Bagels, mm-hmm. which, uh, rest in peace, Dad's Bagels. They, in like the early 2010s at some point, they went out of business. I think Dad's Bagels closed right before I moved here. So yeah, that would mm. have been early 2010s. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but that place was wonderful. They had, their bagels were not the best thing they had there. Their bagels were good, but they weren't like the best in the city or anything. But they had really good Indian food, mm-hmm. uh, including samosas. And I had a, a really like deep love for samosas and like, 
they had a bunch of like cured meats and like dried sausages and things too and little like you know any kind of little fried snacky things yeah. uh, pakoras and baji and that kind of stuff my good friend sam and i would go you know <laughs> in the middle of the night sometimes because they were open late back in high school we'd just meet up and go eat some you know indian food in the middle of the night and it was great that for me is like very important i think uh and has kind of like made me love this neighborhood a lot that you can kind of get like good indian food good bagels good everything around yeah here. and dg is a great neighborhood for food and mm-hmm. i feel like that's something that's not very well known yeah i mean i don't know like it's uh I feel like it's well known, but maybe that's just because I'm here so much. I, I you think know? it's because you've been here. Because yeah. before I moved to NDG, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the food scene in NDG. Okay. And now maybe that's partly because I've lived here almost 10 years and it's changed. It's much more trendy here. You can say the word gentrified. It's gentrified. Well, no, it's gentrified and we yeah. have fancier food places yeah. here. But there are a lot of places like Amaranto, which just moved to the plateau, sure. but was here for like 20 years. Yeah. Which was like the first place I found good Mexican food in Montreal sure. and that was something I had missed so much coming yeah, from Boston for sure um, there's just so many good like little restaurants here mm-hmm. mom and pop restaurants which are unfortunately getting pushed out with gentrification and mm-hmm. now we have a lot more uh, uh, big trendy places yeah I mean that's it right like we this neighborhood has always had a lot of nice little restaurants owned by little families and like yeah a lot of them are still around but a lot of them have kind of disappeared over the years and you know that is a shame but I will say the heart of the neighborhood has kind of stayed the same I think a thing that has happened is that if a little family-owned business in the neighborhood disappears the neighborhood cared about it enough that whatever takes its place has a lot of pressure yeah and That helps, I think, keep the spirit of the place alive, where it's like you get, you know, we had St. Viator Bagel Cafe on Monkland for my entire childhood till sometime after Toby was born it closed down. We've got to talk about it because this wasn't just a bagel shop. This wasn't just a restaurant. This wasn't just... Sorry. No. This wasn't just a bagel shop. It wasn't just a breakfast place. This was bagel shop with wood-fired oven yeah. where you can go and get your bagels directly out of the oven, yeah. uh, which is like if you ever go to Montreal, there are still places with it. You yeah. have to do that. Fresh yeah. bagels are like... But like beyond that, they also had like an espresso bar with like genuinely good coffee yeah. and like a little terrace and they had... TVs where they would play like the sport games yeah, in the yeah. evenings you know like it was it was so much more than just a little like bagel shop or cafe uh, and if, unfortunately it closed down at some point because you know it was part of a chain and yeah. when the chain starts losing a bit of money they're like okay which location is you know costing us the most and bringing yeah. in the least profit unfortunately our neighborhood because it has been gentrifying became too expensive yeah and the rent got too damn high and yeah. so they pieced out and um, uh i kept part of their sign from outside the yeah. building they had this big <laughs> big sign with a bunch of bagels yeah so i kept part of their sign when when they closed down and that was really like i'm never gonna forget the day that i was pushing baby toby in the stroller and walking by as they were demolishing it and i saw them pulling the giant bagels down from the, the facade and i asked the guy can i take one of those and he said i don't care there were two missing already, so I got the G. Yeah. Uh, and I put it in the bottom of the stroller. And Toby was very small and very confused about why I was putting a giant bag <laughs> on the bottom of the stroller. And uh, I love it. I mean, it's it's one of those places that's going to be in my heart forever, right? And uh, the business that opened up in that location, uh, Pigeon Cafe, I think has done a pretty solid job of keeping the spirit 
of the place alive. Yeah, I think you know? so. It feels like a community center in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a little pricier. It's a little bougier. It's a little more modern. I think they would not disagree with that assessment of themselves. Uh, but it's very, very good. And they still serve really good bagels. And they still serve the same kind of like, I don't know, like the atmosphere is very similar to where it was before. Yeah. The yeah. only thing really missing is the wood-fired bagel oven. But, you know. Not everybody can afford to maintain a wood-fired bagel oven. Yeah, I mean, on permits alone, frankly, yeah, I, I yeah, think those yeah. things cost a The insurance fortune. is insane Yeah, exactly. Because you have an open, <laughs> extremely hot fire in yeah. your restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I I think that we are, you know, at least at least this neighborhood will still keep its kind of charm, even if the gentrification keeps going, you know, like, well, I think about the fact that during the pandemic, when businesses were taking a hit, the Mm -hmm. Starbucks on our main street closed down, Mm -hmm. but the little local cafe Milk Mm -hmm. uh, did really well. Yeah. um, And is still doing really well. Like this is a neighborhood that has a lot of loyalty to local yeah. business. Well, that's it. People people in this neighborhood love this neighborhood and love the things that make this neighborhood this neighborhood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that that's what it comes down to is like NDG folks love NDG and yeah. want it to stay NDG, right? So even when things change, there's a real big push to keep them in the right spirit of things. Exactly. And yeah, on a food front, like I think growing up in this neighborhood has really like shaped the kind of food that I love too, right? Where like as I've aged, as I've gotten older and, you know, branched out a little bit more in this area, like the food that I love has aged with me, right? Yeah. Like I used to love Suvlaki George right. and like, you know, that place is still around and I still love Suvlaki and, you know, some of the best calamari I've had in Montreal has been from there. Yeah, <laughs> And like, there's a lot of good Lebanese food in the neighborhood. And like, I think I got into Lebanese food through eating Lebanese food in NDG, you know? Yeah. And like, now working in an Italian restaurant in the neighborhood, I'm like feeling my love of Italian food grow beyond just like, you know, the staples that everyone grows up with as a kid of like pizza and spaghetti and everything. Like I'm finding a deeper understanding of it and a deeper love for it. And like seeing how that kind of has always been here, but now it's like, you know, more and more present for me, you know, I think just getting to grow up in a place And like, you know, as you grow up, your tastes are going to change a little bit, right? You're going to need different things, right? When you're a teenager, you're going to go for whatever is like cheap and quick and filling. When you're a young adult, you're going to go for possibly also whatever's cheap and quick and filling. Uh, But, you know, you might start looking more at like places you can go for a date or places you can like eat with like a group of people, right? You want to go out and have a nice time and not just grab sandwiches. or Yeah, I think just your 20s are really like the going out era where it's like yeah. most of the time you're eating cup of noodles, but when you go out with people, you want to splurge. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And so you start to figure out like, oh, what do I like to splurge on, right? Like where do I like to go to like dine out with people, right? And you kind of gradually get more and more of a feel of your neighborhood and you mm-hmm. get a better sense of like what's here and what's been there all, the whole time. And the one that kind of stands out for me is La Louisiane, which is mm-hmm. uh, across the street from Paso Casareccio where I work. And it's like our kind of date spot yeah. where we didn't start going there until you were pregnant with Toby. I don't think that's true. I think we once went... I- no. I think we went once before. No? Nope. No, we went for the first time while I was pregnant? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we went there a few times while you were pregnant yeah. with Toby, and then we couldn't go back for a while because, you know, we had a small baby, and then there was a pandemic, and yada yada, and we went back, you know, last week or two weeks yeah. ago, and it was lovely. And, like, 
that place, when I was a kid, I always just assumed it was way too fancy for me, uh-huh. right? Because it, it seemed fancy. It seemed yeah. like, you know, like a high class joint and like my mom would never have taken me there, yeah. right? Like and it we, is. You know, a, I mean, it yeah. is. It's a lovely restaurant. It's got, you know, tablecloths and yeah. beautiful decor and really beautiful food. But it's not full of itself in the yeah. way that I think like growing up with my mom made me think right. that it would yeah, be, yeah, you know, yeah. like where my only experience of like restaurants that had slightly higher price tags and really nice food was that they were like like prohibitively expensive right because we'd only go to them for extremely special occasions or like you know if grandpa was meeting a client in the city and we had to meet in like a hotel restaurant that like looked really fancy and high-end or whatever and so in my mind any place that like seemed like it was probably going to be expensive was off the table for me and so I you know years and years like I grew up I lived on Regent when we first moved to Montreal like the block that that restaurant is on yeah I have known this place existed my entire life it wasn't until I was an adult going out for dinner with you yeah you know expecting a child that I was like maybe this is like you know maybe we can have a nice fancy whatever and like we got in and it's like not imposing fancy in the way that I expected you know like those restaurants do certainly exist and there are some in our neighborhood even Uh, but like it was homey still despite being one of the like higher end places in the city and like you know since then we've become friends with the owner and he's lovely and like if you had told me as a kid that I would at some point think of that as like a place that I might want to go on a regular basis you know can't necessarily afford to go on a regular basis but like you know for a date night, we but can do it. Yeah, we it's a date it. night restaurant. And it's not even like an, ex- an extremely expensive date night restaurant, frankly. No, no. it's. For, I think it's about what you would expect for a date. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's like, okay, like we've got so many options here now. And it's been so beautiful getting to explore that further with you. And like, you know, getting to go to our local barbecue place where like I took Toby as a baby a lot and yeah, like Toby like grew up at that place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really nice like expanding my palette through things that are still like walking distance from my house is a really unique privilege I think I feel like yeah for those of you who are of the astrology persuasion I feel like there's just something so extremely double Taurus about your great desire to have like beautiful food that expands your horizons and your palate but is walking distance from home like I feel like that is just like the dream (laughs) that's just what every Taurus wants Listen, all I want is to be treated extremely well and to have to put very little effort into it, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm, but I mean, I think that there's something like valid to oh, the no, idea. Oh, no, I appreciate of, like, you know, that. Yeah. This is something that like, when we started dating, I really had to adjust because you love beautiful things. You mm-hmm. love food. You love luxury. Like, you like feeling good. Mm-hmm. And having grown up in an extremely Puritan background, I was just like, what is this? Like, just like, just like absolute unashamed, like, appreciation of really nice stuff. Right. And I had to, like, kind of adjust to that. But I remember having a conversation with my sister a few years in where she was like, I think that's been really good for you Mm -hmm. I think having somebody like that be your partner and be like no we're gonna do the nice thing we're gonna have (laughs) the nice thing we're gonna stay in the hotel instead of sleeping on somebody's floor you know Um, we're gonna go to a restaurant instead of grabbing crackers and cheese and like having a picnic which is like what I was used to for dates you know like that that's something that is something you've taught me to value that I really appreciate 
um, because it's not something I didn't grow up in a family like my dad loved nice things but we didn't have money to go out much Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah it's something that I appreciate a lot about you yeah well that's it like I think I think growing up without a lot of money and not having been able to go out that much and not having the resources as a kid like it makes it something that I want to be able to prioritize when I can now yeah yeah and look you could argue that I still can't afford to prioritize it (laughs) at any point because we're still very broke but but like can you afford not to prioritize it that's the question that's the thing right like self-care through food is important yeah and sometimes you know yes you can survive off of rice and beans and cheese forever yes you can survive off of you know cheap pasta you can survive off of just like bread and oil and potatoes and you know not only potatoes but Mm -hmm. you you need to give yourself some joy too Mm -hmm. uh or that survival is nothing Mm -hmm. right and it's it's sometimes worth putting in a little extra money when you can to let yourself do that yeah even if that means you know making a bill payment a little bit late (laughs) i mean i think it's worth thinking about like like this is something i think about a lot a lot of people our age have a booze budget right we don't have a booze budget because because you're sober yeah so like a lot of people are like oh yeah i'm budgeting so like i'm not buying wine right Mm -hmm. and like we don't do that in the first place so you know that goes towards food like you choose what is important yeah exactly and it's like where i choose to splurge in my life is always with food basically like because I'm sober, I don't drink. Because I don't care that much about clothing, I really rarely buy clothes for myself. Yeah. Like, you buy clothes for me way more often True. than I buy clothes for myself. And I think you buy clothes about twice as often as I think I need them. I end up appreciating them a lot, yeah. but I'm. A, it takes a lot, like... Your clothes have to be in rags for you to buy new ones. That's the thing, yeah. yeah. Because this, again, I think is a Virgo thing, but like... <laughs> well, it's like... I mean, no, Beyonce would never. No, exactly. I, I think for me, it's a, like, reluctance to let myself have nice things on yeah. that front, right? Well, I said that because my brother is the same way of sure. just being like, I'm going to wear this thing that I have had for literally 20 years because technically it's holding together. Right, yeah. <laughs> for me, like, I think... Once things are falling apart, I'm a little more ready to let them go, but they don't necessarily have to be things that still bring me joy a lot of the time, right? So I won't prioritize that. You know, if I have them and they're functional, I will wear them. But with food, I will let myself just go nuts on a fairly regular basis. Because for me, that is where I, like, seek the most joy and let myself have the most joy, I think. And it's really the only place that you splurge apart from Mm -hmm. buying things for the kids. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where I I could probably spend much less on the kids, frankly, and they would still have a really good time. But But it brings you joy to splurge on the kids. That's it. I like to spoil (laughs) them a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 So let's talk about you right now. Sure. Currently. Yeah. Dream meal. Oof. It can be multi-course. Sure, sure. How about perfect food day? Perfect food day, yes. Because if we're doing multi-course, like, I'm not a big multi-course person. All right, all right. I want to just, like, have my big plate of food and finish it. But full day of food, right? Yes, let's do it. Perfect food day. So, like, I need my espresso in the morning. Yeah. I need my coffee. I think my, like, perfect breakfast would be, like, going out to, like, some kind of good brunch place. Mm-hmm. Maybe either air-conditioned or beautiful, breezy morning outside, whatever, whatever works. I think I need me a bagel. I need, like, a bagel. I need eggs. I need some meat. I'm torn between, like, the kind of lumberjack plate of, like, you know, bread, meat, potatoes, eggs, beans, croton. I need those. Versus, like, 
some days I flip it and I'm like, actually, what I want is like the big old like lox plate, right? Cream right. cheese, salmon, etc. It's hard for me to pick between those two, honestly. A lot of, like yeah. that's kind of come down to a coin flip most days. Yeah. But some kind of like good like brunchy brunch, like a yeah. you know a big, big brunch. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I I think it would be a weird combo, but even if I could just get the lumberjack plate and like have my bagel come with cream cheese and salmon on it, I'd be happy. Sure. Yeah. The Jewish lumberjack plate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The lumber Jew. The Lumberjew. Yeah. My brain, I just had a brain fart trying to remember what meal comes after breakfast. Um, well, I mean, it could be second breakfast. It could be Elevensies. You know I'm not a Tolkien person. Yeah, but like you do, I feel like you would appreciate a Hobbit eat. lifestyle. I yeah, I mean, that's it. Like I probably yeah. get some kind of little snacky in between breakfast yeah. and lunch. Um, like you have your mid-morning coffee break. That's important. Yeah, that's true. And for that kind of thing, like just some bread and some cheese or something, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever nice like little bit of, you know... Some kind of hard cheese, I think, is often my go-to, um, but really whatever we've got. Right now, our fridge is full of many, many nice cheeses. We have so much cheese in our fridge right now that it actually stresses me out to open the fridge. So, pro tip, if you're listening to this and you really like nice cheese, next time you have a birthday party, tell your guests who are coming to bring a cheese yeah. for a large, like, you know, charcuterie spread. And then everyone will bring like meats and cheeses and shit and you'll have a really great party and there will be a ridiculous amount of leftover cheese, but each one in a small enough quantity that it's relatively easy to finish. I feel, I feel reasonably confident that I'll be able to finish most of those cheeses before they go bad. I don't know. I, I think we have two like ash cheeses. Yeah. We finished the Adderay. We finished the Adderay. There's like two different goat cheeses left. Yeah, yeah. One of them is an ash cheese, so that's a Venn diagram. Both the ash cheeses are goat, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And then we've got like one proper brie, two kind of brie-esque things. We've got a The like hard yellow one? Yeah, that's a Jersey milk gouda. Okay. There's there's an espresso cheddar in there. Oh, I didn't know there was an espresso cheddar. You didn't try the espresso one? No, I steered clear of the cheese bite because I'm not a stinky cheese person. Okay, okay. There were a couple of like non-stinky ones that you might have. We'll get into this after. Um, Anyway, so mid-morning cheese bread. Little cheese, little bread. Yeah. Lunchtime. I think my like real ideal lunch would be something a little Mediterranean. So we have breakfast here in Montreal. Yeah. We hop on a jet that gets us to Vancouver fast enough. We go for souvlaki at the place at the sure. uh, the ferry terminal. Yeah, uh, I think would be a perfect lunch. Okay. Uh, if we don't have jet budget in this, this fantasy is a perfect scenario, food day. I can do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I could also do maybe like all you can eat sushi for lunch. Okay, we can or, teleport. Or not even necessarily all you can eat. You know what? I think all you can eat sushi maybe is something that I'm leaving behind in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think <laughs> the more. The more I think back on all-you-can-eat sushi and the experience of it, the more I think what I actually want is a set price fixed menu. Y- you order whatever sounds good, but they only charge you X amount, and then whatever comes to the table is the meal, but you don't necessarily like keep ordering and like yeah yeah you know I don't know what you would call that, but like prefix that's maybe yeah yeah uh, but like a nice like a good like sushi lunch okay or like a souvlaki calamari nice again i think i just want to eat outside a lot yeah eating except outside for is dinner lovely. dinner i don't necessarily want to eat outside all right most of the time because that's when the bugs start to get irritating because mm-hmm. in the in the daytime the outside bugs while you eat it's like wasps and big fly easy to smack easy yeah. to get rid of yeah at nighttime it's like moths and mosquitoes i'm really appreciating how when we talk about your 
perfect food day, climate is inextricable. It matters. You're like, here's the perfect food and here's the perfect climate in which to eat this food. It matters a yeah. lot. Yeah, that's it. I think breakfast I want probably indoors, but like cool indoors. Yeah. Lunch I would be happy to eat outside if it's windy, you know, a little breezy, whatever. Dinner, I think I want to be back indoors and I want like steakhouse. Yeah. Either like traditional ass, like sit down, get a cut of meat you like, get your sides, yeah. potatoes, Flight of mushrooms, brulee. whatever. Yeah. Uh, or like a churrascaria kind of situation right. where, you know, they bring all the meats to your table and shave them onto your plate to tell them to stop. Like that, that's... That's good. your... You, yeah. We have not gone for that, but you have been talking about that since we met almost 10 years ago. Yeah, that's it. I think... So it's like for, for me, like breakfast is like about the bagel and it's about the eggs and it's about the meats that come with the breakfast. Lunch is about, like, light, but some fried elements and, like, you know, the atmosphere. Yeah. And then dinner, it's about, like, I want, like, a perfect piece of meat and I want the yummy sides to go with it. And, like, I want there to be some, like, veggie sides, but I also want there to just be, like, flavor, you know, real depth of flavor going on. And, like, you know, I don't drink anymore. So, like, I think in my ideal meal situation I would no longer be an alcoholic and I could have a nice glass of wine with that dinner (laughs) yeah but you know life being what it is just like an unlimited supply of sparkling water sounds pretty good too yeah yeah Yeah. and then yeah dessert you know I mean actually my ideal dessert is just grabbing a pint of ice cream on the way home yeah and eating that in bed yeah yeah that's my perfect food day that is like that's a perfect food day and I just really appreciate that like the longest lasting tradition you and I have is eating ice cream in bed, yeah. watching TV. I think since we first got together, most nights we've eaten ice cream in bed. One of my favorite memories of when we first started dating was like, because we had just started dating, like lying with my head in your lap on the couch while you fed me ice cream. And it was like, <laughs> perfect. It was, it was like, yeah. 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 So Toby is in the studio with us. Uh, As you, you may, may have, have noticed. Deduced, yes. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about food? What's your favorite food right now, buddy? I have lots of favorite sandwiches. Pasta. What, what's your favorite kind of pasta? Tortellini. Tortellini. Mm. Good choice. Happy birthday. Thank you. If you want to say happy birthday to Tom, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today and tell it to the hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We will be passing around a bowl at the end of the episode where you can... Uh, Give 10% of your income to us. Otherwise, you're a bad person. Yeah, and you will go to food hell. Yeah, don't go to food hell. You want to go to food heaven? All you is slightly overcooked mac and cheese for Ooh, the rest of your life. You know what? You put 10% of your income into a hat for us at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod, and you're going to have good calamari. You don't do it, and you're going to go to hell and eat rubbery calamari for the rest of eternity. Do you want to do that? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> so patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. Thanks for listening to No Bad Food. If you want to join the conversation, you can hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Tever Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and you want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Nell, Carol Ann, Rachel, Aslam, and Anne. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash 
No Bad Food Pod and make it happen. Mm-hmm. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends at the Pod Cavern merch store. You could get a little hat with our logo on it, or you could get an apron with our logo on it. You can get an apron for your kid, too, and then they can match Toby. Toby has a No Bad Food apron, mm-hmm. and your kid can also be cool, just like Toby, right? Yeah. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Breaded and Fried Ingles, and our cover art is by David... David what? Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, the show is produced by me, Tom Zalatni, and you, Tefra Jemian, and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week. Now we can get back to our puzzle. Oh, sweet lady. understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Report. Set collection. Discrepancy straight line, Moth said. Meet Moth. Moth travels everywhere and every when in search of often deadly discrepancies and tries to make sense of the briefs she gets from collection. There were holes in the brief, you know. I don't like that. The Moth Collection Podcast. It's science fiction with a little bit of horror. It's weird and funny and romantic, and there won't be another season. 14 episodes, and that's it, people. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Podcavern. What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It's, it's,